facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Welcome to Wednesday. It's October the 11th, 2023, and I'm so glad that you're with me on The Kale Clark Show. You can call in right now, grab a line. 888 888-914-9149 is the number to call toll-free to talk to me. And you can also email the program, thoughts, questions, comments. Great to also get show article possibilities from you, things you want us to talk about. We'll take a look at all of those if you email the show. Our show team is standing by, and we do read all the emails. We get a high volume. We can't always respond personally, but we do read each and every one of them and pray for for everybody who writes them. The address is klcale at relevantradio.com. And you can also find me on the X app at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E Clark with an E. Well, I just got back from Canadian Thanksgiving. Yeah, we have a little bit earlier, which I kind of like. It's more in the fall. I feel like the American one is a little bit too close to Christmas, but that's just me. Hey, but I, I celebrate both. I like turkey. I like stuffing. I like to eat. And uh, I double dip, that's for sure. And so we had Canadian Thanksgiving this Monday. So I've been out for a few days with family. And I want to thank especially Brooke Taylor for sitting in for me uh, very admirably over the last couple of days and on Friday as well. Uh, Some great shows that she put together. And you can also hear Brooke from time to time, by the way, sitting in for Mary Graham doing relevant radio news updates in between the programs. And uh, you'll be hearing more of her in the future. But thanks again, Brooke, for, for sitting in for me. Great job. And I missed all you guys, especially I wanted to talk to you. Um, I wished I could have talked to you over the last couple of days because it was it was obviously very jarring for me, the, the juxtaposition of trying to celebrate Thanksgiving, but at the same time, witnessing the horrific and barbaric events that happened in Israel on Saturday, October the 7th. And I'm still trying to process everything, uh, to be quite frank with you, and I I have so many friends over there. I've been there so many times working on archaeological digs, taking people on tours of the Holy Land. Um, I love the land and its people, and there's still people that I haven't been in touch with. I don't know if they're okay. And so it's been a strange couple of days for me, and I I do want to later on in the program talk about this a little bit more. I want to share with you a few things. I've read a lot of things about uh, what's been happening over the past couple of days, and obviously the story is still unfolding. And we do need to pray. We do need to invoke, of course, the intercession of Our Lady of Peace. But as, as things are still unfolding, um, there are a couple things that I saw yesterday that really uh, did strike me, and I wanted to share them with you. So I'll do that later in the program, 888-914-9149. I'm sure you want to share your thoughts as well on the Kale Clark Show here on Relevant Radio. And then <laughs> tonight, I, I, I'm kind of uh, I'm asking you for your prayers uh, for me tonight because uh, right after this program, I have to give a talk. I've been asked to give a talk, and I accepted it with great trepidation about pray, <laughs> trying to help people understand how to pray. And that is, um, I mean, I really feel like it's the blind leading the blind in, in so many cases because who's up to such a task? It, it, it's, it's a really, really tough topic because I feel like I have so far to go in the life of prayer and the spiritual life, and I'm sure that you do as well. And is nobody nobody has ever even the greatest of saints would say i have not mastered the art of prayer and i think it's really interesting that today's gospel was exactly that jesus's disciples asking for help with with learning how to pray and, and this is what they ask they say lord teach us to pray 
And um, in fact, uh, oh, here it is right here. I pulled up the, uh, the readings today. And it's always good to, you can, by the way, sign up for the daily readings at the U.S. CCB website. It's a great place to do that. So here, here's the, uh, the gospel reading. It's a pretty short one. It's actually from Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer in his gospel. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John, and that's obviously a reference to John the Baptist, as John taught his disciples, he said to them, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us and do not subject us to the final test. And so obviously Jesus taught in many locations at many times, um, the same message, the kingdom of God, expanding it, contracting it, depending on where he was, what he was doing. So this is a little bit different from uh, the version of the Lord's Prayer that's in Matthew's Gospel and the Sermon on the Mount. But it's pretty clear that his disciples, when they saw Jesus praying, they're like, I want some of this. How are you doing it? I don't know. I just, I know I need this in my life. I'm, I'm watching you commune with your heavenly Father. And they're watching him pray. <laughs> that's kind of kind of strange. Have you ever had anybody watch you pray and, and just check out what you're doing? That's a, that's a strange thought. But uh, they were watching him, and they were very, very intrigued, and, and they wanted what he had. And so they're asking him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And, and then he does, and he does. And so we have to really learn from, from Jesus. And he is the ultimate prayer. <laughs> because he is God incarnate, and he gave us the ultimate prayer. The ultimate prayer gave us the ultimate prayer, which is, of course, the Lord's Prayer. And that's a good, it's not just the words that we pray. And we do pray, of course, vocal prayers like the Rosary, including prayers like the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Glory Be, and more, Fatima Prayer. And those vocal prayers are very important. And we have, of course, the Divine Mercy Chapel. We pray that every day on Relevant Radio. We pray the rosary every day on Relevant Radio. It's very important. We have the Mass, the greatest prayer of the church. And a lot of these prayers that we pray are what we call vocal prayers. And they're very good for us on several levels. But what I have to talk about tonight is this concept of what we call mental prayer. And mental prayer is really kind of conversation with God. And, and again, it's very, very difficult to, to conceive of how to, how to do this, how to talk about this, because nobody's ever mastered prayer. In fact, the whole point of prayer is that we ourselves are mastered by prayer. We're mastered by God. We, we have to submit ourselves and our will and our lives to the providence of Almighty God. And, th- and that's one of the aspects of the prayer that's really, really tough for people to pray. Thy will be done, especially in this day and age, especially in, in if we're living in a place where we enjoy autonomy and we... we that, that does affect sometimes our char- our char- the character of our dialogue with God. But I think a lot of people, they don't know where, the, where to start when it, when it comes to prayer. And a lot of people think, I, I just can't do it because they have this kind of stained glass vision of prayer. And they think, really, this is something only for the highest of saints to do. I'm not Mother Teresa. I can't handle this. I can't be expected to, to pray well. But I think a lot of people, and you, you might be sitting here, listening to me saying, yeah, I'm one of those people, but you actually might be praying a lot more than you think, a lot more than you think, because what you don't think is prayer is probably in a lot of ways, conversational prayer, conversational prayer, talking to God. You ever complain to God? I'm sure you do. 
Fiddler on the Roof, right, Tevye? That's a great example. Uh, that 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 musical Fiddler on the Roof, and um, wow. Speaking of <laughs> that 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 whole play deals with one of the themes of that play is one of the pogroms against the Jewish people, and we saw what happened o- over the weekend. So that that has been going on for millennia. But Tevye, Tevye, in his prayer, in his little song, you know, if I were a rich man, he kind of complains to God about a lot of different things, and. Would it upset, you know, some grand celestial plan if I was a wealthy man, he says. Now, maybe that's a self-serving prayer, but it is, it is it is very humorous. And sometimes we talk like that with God and we don't think it's really prayer, but but it kind of is. There, there are different kinds of prayer. And we could we could sit here and name them. There, there's prayer of adoration. There is a prayer of examine, where we examine our conscience. There, there's also this this idea of, simple, basic prayer. And, and and this is what I think can be really encouraging for us as we're kind of thinking about prayer, that it's not always going to be some mystical mountaintop experience, far from it. And, and, and it, sometimes there will be times like that in our prayer life. And we have the, the so-called warm fuzzies. I don't know if you've ever gotten that in prayer where you're just like, you just get this sense that God is there, you feel it in your soul, you feel it in your bones, and, and you, you get really great inspirations from God. Maybe something hits you in your prayer, and wow, you just you know God is there. Whether you're praying at home or you're praying in front of the tabernacle, wherever you might be, um, it's a special time, and you know that. And, you, we, and, and, and it's, it's very much like any relationship. And obviously in Scripture, a relationship with God is very much compared to a marriage. And God, it's true, he wants to marry us. The Bible begins with the wedding of Adam and Eve, and it ends with the marriage of the second Adam, Christ, and his bride, the church, and eternity in the book of Revelation. So it's a good analogy. It's a very apt analogy. In the book of Hosea, the prophet Hosea is instructed to marry a a wayward woman, a prostitute. Why? Because God is using this guy, a poor guy, he's using this guy's life as a living parable. This is what I have to go through with my people, with my bride. Because they're constantly unfaithful to me. They're constantly chasing after other gods. They're constantly needing to be brought back. And every time they repent, every time they slink back home after their uh, illicit exploits, I always forgive them and I always take them back. It's a powerful book and it's a powerful image, this, this image of a marriage. And so just like, just like in a marriage, there's going to be these mountaintop experiences. Um, I don't know, the honeymoon or just the birth of a child, or you know, some incredible piece of news that you get. Um, there's going to be things that you remember, but there's also going to be everyday experiences. You just go for a walk, you're, you're chatting after dinner as you're cleaning up after supper, doing the dishes, uh, raking the leaves, a lot of people doing that right now, and just, just everyday kind of things. And, and when you pray, there are going to be those everyday kind of prayers and we ought not to despise them. That, that ought not to be something that we, we look at and say, well, this, this can't be it. No, it, it is it sometimes. St. Teresa of Avila, again, one of the great stained glass saints of the church, right? And she's very real when she talks about God and her relationship with God. And she once had this big setback and she kind of complained to our Lord. Now, if this is how you treat your friends, it's no wonder that you have so few of them. <laughs> And, and that's okay. God, God can handle that. And it, it's very humorous. But one time she was saying that St. Teresa of Avila said that in her, in her mental prayer, in her time when she was 
actually making time for God and, and spending that time, maybe sitting in the, in the oratory, in the chapel, in front of the tabernacle, in front of our Eucharistic Lord, she didn't get anything out of it, quote unquote. She didn't feel like she got anything out of it, so to speak. But she, she said this, she said, sometimes when I get, when I feel like I'm getting nothing out of my prayer, my conversational prayer with God, when I'm actually praying, I feel like God's not actually speaking to me when I'm really praying. It's so funny how the rest of the day outside of my prayer time, he's speaking to me all the time. And it, when the times when my prayer seems dry and I'm not hearing from him, I, those are the days when I often hear from him outside of the prayer time. What does she mean? Well, maybe there's an event that, that takes place that a circumstance that clearly reveals God's will, maybe a, a few words of conversation that she had with one of the other nuns where, where something somebody said, she took it as a, as a word from God. And really it was God speaking through that person, an idea, some sort of illumination that, that, that struck her, something like that. And, and you'll experience times like that too, where you feel like I'm just kind of putting in time here, but God is very pleased by that. I think he's very pleased when you're not getting anything. Out. Of course, when you're having these mountaintop mystical experiences, which are, admittedly pretty rare, you're going you're gonna to want to stick around. You're going to want to pray. This is wonderful. But when, it's, when it feels dry, when it feels like you're punching the clock, humanly speaking, and you're just, you're just kind of doing it, that can be really pleasing to God if you're not getting anything out of it, quote unquote, because it's, it means that you, you're engaging in the battle of prayer. And in, in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it says that flat out. It says prayer is a battle. It is an absolute battle. Because we don't want to pray, naturally speaking. And to me, this is one of the biggest signs of original sin in the world. The fact that we don't want to pray. Our natural habitat should be prayer, should be speaking with our Lord. Just like a fish's natural habitat is in water. We, but we don't want to. We, we, we fight it. We resist it. We put it off. We don't think it's the best thing for us. And that, that can't come from God. That absolutely can't come from God. So really what we've got to learn how to do more than anything is is to learn how to fall in love again this analogy of marriage is really really important it's not about gritting your teeth and saying, i'm just gonna do it i gotta get it done i've got to just check it off it's it's about not forcing it but falling like not forcing but falling falling in in love if you will and falling into the arms of jesus that that's really really i guess easier said than done but this is what we're we're kind of um, asked to do. You're listening to the K.O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. I think we have this, we have this excuse that we, all, that we all make when it comes to prayer. Um, we know it's good for us. We know that we should do it. But we, we get so busy. Have you ever met anybody in this day and age that doesn't say, I'm crazy busy? You know, how are you today? I'm crazy busy. I'm crazy busy. And we are. That's not necessarily an untruth we're packed to the gills with commuting fighting through traffic um, meetings uh, work social obligations trying to pick up our kids from school all the stuff that we're into we say man i'm too busy i'm too busy to pray but the truth of the matter is this if we're really really honest with ourselves the only thing that's holding us back from praying is that we don't want to. Sometimes we have to just admit we don't want to because if we really have to do something, we make time for it. 
we have to eat. I don't care how busy you are. You're going to eat food. You have to eat to stay alive. You're going to make time to eat. You're going to make time to sleep. Maybe you don't sleep enough as, as you should. As Dr. Brian Donahue talked about on the show recently, friend of the program, we, we're not probably sleeping as much as we should. That's one great thing we can do for our overall health, but, but you still sleep at some point and you, you make time for things that you want to do. Um, whether it's watching NFL football or whether it's, I don't know, na- name your hobby. You're going to make time for it. You're going to make time for it. And I think that there's nothing wrong with that because we have to have some fun fixes in our life, if you will. And if we don't have those fun fixes, if we don't have hobbies and things we like to do, if we don't have legitimate fun fixes in our life, we're going to come up with illegitimate fun fixes in our life. And that's, that's just the truth of the matter. So it's not necessarily a bad thing, but, but prayer has to be a priority. So we do have time. We do have time. The truth is that sometimes we just don't want to make the time. And that's a hard thing to, to admit to ourselves. And, and sometimes we think that we think maybe I need to prepare for this. And, and, and if you're a high achiever type of individual, if you're a type A type of personality, sometimes you fall into the trap of saying, well, I, 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 I want to wait until, the, until it's just right, until the conditions are perfect. I, I need to fine tune my schedule. I, I need to read some books about how to pray. I need to maybe study the history of prayer, the different types of prayer in the church and, and who practiced it, the, the, the wonderful sacred traditions about prayer. That, that is totally the wrong way to look at things. You know, read a book about how to pray. It, it's best to actually start by praying. It's best to start by praying. And we, cause we're never going to, we're never going to master it. This is the attitude of mastery. Like if I read about how to do something, whether it's computer programming or, how to put my own tires on my car or whatever, then I can figure it out. I can master it. Um, whatever, I don't know, auto mechanics, algebra or something, we, we, we're never going to be able to master it. We're never going to be able to master it. Again, the whole idea is that prayer kind of masters us. And just, just one, more, one more thing too. So, another thing that, that holds people back, this is the last thing I'll say, and we'll take a little break here. Um, People think that because they have issues and because they, they have problems and they know that they're sinners, that that's another reason to hold back from praying. I have to wait till I'm perfectly holy. That is totally the trick of the enemy. If you have scruples about, hey, I, I have some selfish motives when I come to pray. There's things that I want, and, I, and quite frankly, I, I don't know. Maybe it's not what God wants, but I want this. Or maybe I'm mad at this person or I'm, I'm, I hate this guy or whatever, whatever the case may be, my coworker who, who took credit for my work or whatever. And you're just, you're just ticked off about something. You think I can't pray because I, I'm going to pray for selfish stuff. Again, this is, this is absolutely a trick of the enemy. And when you look at through scripture, that it should really encourage you that most of the great heroes of faith, had big time feet of clay. We're talking about David, the adulterer and murderer. What about Moses? Moses, think about how he complained to God about the Israelites. One thing he said in, in the, in the book of numbers in, in numbers chapter 11, he said, why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all this people on me? He's basically saying, God, you, you must not like me very much because you picked me to be the leader of these people. He says, did I conceive all these people? Did I give birth to them? That you should say to me, 
Carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child to the land that you promised on oath to their ancestors. So this this idea that why why are you why are you making me the guy? I, this was this whole thing was your idea. It wasn't my idea. I don't want I don't want any part of this. But then later on, he, he changes. God changes his heart, and he actually kind of offers himself up for for the people. And it's a very Christ like move. He says. And they, they've they've totally done something terrible. This is the whole golden calf incident in the, in the book of Exodus, chapter 32. Moses says, Now if you will only forgive their sin, but if not, blot me out of the book that you have written. So please forgive their sin. Please give them another chance. But if you decide not to, I want, I want to take the blame. I want to take the fall. Blot my name out of the book of life. Blot me out of heaven for all eternity. So that's a that's a big time change that's happened in Moses's life, and that, that's that's really what can happen to us too, when we get in God's sight. So start where you're where you're at. Don't worry if you think your prayer is selfish or self centered. That's part of the deal. Don't worry if you don't know what you're doing. Just start talking to God and and start small. You can't run the Boston Marathon if you've never put on a pair of sneakers before. You've got to start small. Maybe start in baby steps. Start with five minutes at a time of trying to talk to God. Bring it up to 10, bring it up to 15 over time. Try to get a spiritual director, get a coach, just like you would get a coach if you're trying to run the Boston Marathon. Moses didn't even know. When, the first time Moses encountered God at the burning bush, God had to tell him, hey, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. He didn't even know. He had no idea. And, and sometimes we really have to understand that the stuff that we think doesn't really matter to God, the ground that we're standing on, where we're at, in our cubicle, in our family, on our street. That's kind of our holy ground, the, the, the ordinary nitty-gritty of every day. We've got to talk about these things to God, and that, that is a good starting point. So don't think you have to think all these really, really holy thoughts to pray or think about the sublimity of God and, and all his incredible attributes, which are awesome. We should think about those things, but, but start at the start. Start where you're at. God is not offended. God is not offended. And... And we just have to start. And I think that that's a, that's a really important thing that we can do. And so we've got to take a quick break uh, on the Kale Clark show. And, and one thing that I think is really troubling for people, I know it's hard for me too, is how do we pray when we're dealing with incredible evil in the world? And even in, in, within ourselves, that, that is a very, very difficult thing to do. And the events of these last few days we have looked into the face of evil. How do we deal with that? We're going to talk about what the situation is and how we can maybe think about this. Uh, it's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Faith, Facts, and Fun will be right back. 888-914-9149. This is The Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. Hey, welcome back to the program. 888-914-9149 is the number to call. It's good to be back behind the mic. I've been off for a couple days. Good to be back with you. Let's go to the phones right now, actually. Let's go to Damon in Daly City, California. Hey, Damon. Carl, Kale. Um, at work, I'm a day laborer. Okay. And I got a call from New Jersey, and I'm in Daly City, which is near San Francisco. And they mm-hmm. said, um, if you want to, go to Santa Clara 
and um, in a carpet in an apartment complex in Santa Clara, right where the big Google and every campuses oh, yeah. are, mm-hmm. yep. and, and go pull cables. So I said, okay. Um, and so the job started at nine, but they call me at ten, so I can't get there till like twelve. So I show up, mm. and, and briefly, I've heard a variety of people like you, as well as um, um, I forget his name. Uh, in Detroit, but he, he said prayer, and they can be short prayers. Um, so, so I bless myself because it's a new environment. I don't know the people. I'm a day mm-hmm. laborer, which doesn't mm-hmm. get much respect. And uh, but they're having problems. So I show up, and within an hour, I made a suggestion: um, pulling cables, which is physical, climbing ladders. Yeah. it's mm-hmm. eighty degrees. You're sweating. It's outside. And, um, and the funny thing is I, and, and this is prayer. Prayer is divine humor. Sometimes I, I blessed the cable because for an hour we're making no progress. Mm. And then the manager comes in and, uh, someone takes my, uh, suggestion and everything changes just because wow. now this time it was me. It was a suggestion and for 20 yeah. minutes, no one took it. And, uh, and it came from the low guy on the totem pole. And um, um, so we finished the job a day ahead of schedule. And when I got up and said yes to the job, in my heart, I was saying, boy, I should get paid 50 or 60 bucks an hour, not <laughs> the day laborer. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. guess what? I got paid 50 to 60 bucks an hour because it was a two-day job and we did it. Uh, 16 hours and we wow. did it in, in five hours. So, well, there so, you I, go. Uh, and, and so when you say prayer, uh, even mm. if you don't, um, in my short three second prayer was with my hand, I made the sign of the cross over the problem. And, and I didn't even understand yeah. the problem. I'm here to pull cable. I'm here to quote unquote weight lift. Yeah. And, um, well, and, you know what? But it was only, let me let me just jump in there, Damon. It's first of all, there's nothing to be ashamed about. That's good, honest work, and and, and this is a jo- any any honest job can be something that can be sanctified, and we can offer our work to God. and And I think it's great that you made the sign of the cross over the problem. In your case, you know, how do we deal with this this issue of the cables? And I think we can do that whenever we're getting a, a stuck at work. There's a big problem. Maybe it's a problem with a colleague. Maybe it's a problem with. Uh, something we're working on. If you're a student studying, you can kind of make the sign of the cross over your desk, over your your books that you're that you're pouring over as you're trying to learn this quadratic equation or whatever it might be. And and I think it, I think it's very important also to ask your guardian angels to get in touch with the guardian angels of all the people that you're working for, and just kind of commend them to God and and figure out how you can be a great example and, and a blessing. Really offer your work to God, and, and it's. We have to be able to meet God. Like I was trying to say before the break, we were talking about prayer. We've got to meet God wherever we are and whatever we're doing, especially at work. We we don't just commune with God at, at when we're in the church, so to speak. It's it's all over the place. Hey, Damon, thank you for that call, man. Uh, call back anytime. We're, we're going to go down to Jeannie in Florida. Hey, Jeannie. Hey, hello. Uh, Hi. I was just saying that uh, I really enjoy your show and I enjoy the one tonight on prayer. And it made me remember that my girlfriend was laughing at me the other day because uh, I said that I pray when I'm playing mm. golf. And she said, <laughs> what? How ridiculous. And I said, why not? You know, the, so I prayed it. I will do my best and enjoy it. And why wouldn't Jesus want me to do that? 
So, you know, we talk a lot when I'm out on the golf course. Hey, you know what? Uh, you're talking to a fellow golfer here, so I I am to- I say amen amen to that, sister Jeannie. I, I appreciate that very much, and there's nothing wrong with that, absolutely. And our leisure time is something as well that that we can we can offer to God and 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 enjoy His. And really, if you think about it, and I read I read this theological essay about sports. Sometimes I feel guilty, and maybe you do too, if you're a sports fan. That's not really spiritual. You should be thinking about other things, but. It basically said that prayer, or sorry, play is the serious business of heaven, you know, in that we will be, this, there's something of eternity that's captured in this moment of, and I don't want to get too philosophical here, but there, there have been many books that have been written about uh, the spirituality of baseball, for example. Now, I know there's a pitch clock now, but there was a time when, when it was sort of outside of time, right? It's kind of eternal. The, the game's over when it's over. It's, there, there is no time, if you will, in baseball. At least there didn't used to be. And there's so many other... other uh, you want to be safe at home. There's so, many, there's so many things, so many parallels you could say. And I've been threatening for years to write a book about golf called In His Grip. Uh, because I think there, there's so many parallels between golf and the spiritual life. And way too many to get into here. So yeah, I, I I do I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all, and uh, why not? There's so many people who call on the name of the Lord in a bad way on the golf course. I've heard a, uh, the Lord's name taken in, in in sort of not so holy ways on the golf course. So why not use it as a place to to pray? I think it's a great idea, Jeannie. I really appreciate that call. Glad you're enjoying the show, and, and call back anytime. Triple eight nine one four. Nine one four nine. Yeah, if you did miss that first little segment, we were talking a little bit about prayer and how, hey, we're all beginners at prayer, but the most important thing to do is to just get started, and just kind of gave some some rough comments on on how to get started with prayer, and and certainly prayer is something that we've all been doing, especially praying for peace over these last few days, uh, trying to process the horrific events that happened in Israel on October the seventh uh, this past Saturday, and. I, I I still have friends that I have not been in touch with. I don't know if they're okay uh, in Israel, and um, just trying to make sense of this whole thing. I've been I've been reading a lot about it, and there there are a few things that that stood out to me. And I wanted to play for you a clip from uh, the journalist Barry Weiss, and she uh, is formerly of the Wall Street Journal. She's also an ex New York Times journalist, and she's presently the founder of a new organization called the Free Press. And she was interviewed on, on Fox News yesterday evening. Now, she is Jewish, and she talked about, um, in, in the midst of trying to contact people as well that she knows there, uh, friends, relatives, and just, and just trying to explain the horror of what happened uh, when Hamas invaded Israel on Saturday. Now, if, I will say, before I play this clip, she's going to be using very graphic, descriptive language about atrocities committed on that day. So if you do have little ones nearby, you may wish to move them to another room or so. I just want to kind of give that, that disclaimer before we play this clip. So j- just, just listen to this and, and, and we'll kind of process this together. Here, here's, here's Barry Weiss. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, sorry if I'm a little shaken up and I'm going to try and be as composed as possible. Um, I got home from Shabbat dinner, Friday night dinner here in LA and my phone was blowing up with friends from Israel saying something terrible has happened here. Anyone in the American Jewish community that has close family or friends in Israel is used to getting texts like that. But this is different. 
What has happened over the past 72 hours is the biggest slaughter of Jews since the Holocaust. But unlike with the Nazis, it took years, remember, for the Allies to uncover the extent of Germany's war crimes because the Nazis tried to hide it. In this case, with Hamas in 2023, they are live streaming their atrocities on TikTok. They are filming them with sophisticated drones. They are gleefully and proudly showing the extent of their barbarism. And I think what has occurred over the past 72 hours, it's very, very important for people who don't often pay attention to the news from Israel, who feel like it's a place far away that has many problems to understand that this is about civilization. This is not a war with two sides, with militants on one side and an army on the other. The two sides here are terrorists like ISIS who have raped and maimed and mutilated and murdered innocent people. We're just getting reports out from Kibbutz Kfar Aza in the south of Israel, where they are finding the bodies of beheaded babies. That is what's on one side of this. And on the other side are innocent people, people who were in their beds, people who, parents who threw their bodies over their children to give their lives to protect their children, people who went to a music concert in the desert to enjoy with their friends and were raped next to the corpses of dead bodies. That is what we're talking about here. And I, I just think it's very, very important for people to understand what's, what's actually going on here. This is not a tit for tat. This is not a cycle of violence as you'll hear in so many other places in the press. What this is, is a massacre being live streamed in real time. And if you wanna understand the extent to which Jewish life and Israeli life has been dehumanized over the past several decades. Just think about the number of CEOs and university presidents and celebrities who had immediate statements about the murder of George Floyd, about Black Lives Matter, about the war in Ukraine, about hate against Asians, about any number of, of other righteous causes. Where are they now? Why is my inbox not blowing up with emails and statements and posts from these people. It really tells you a lot about people who claim to care about justice, about, you know, who, who tell you that words can cause violence and yet have nothing to say in the face of such utter, utter bloodshed. Very powerful words from, from Barry Weiss there, uh, talking about the atrocities that, that were committed the, this past weekend. And, and and they were live streamed, as she said, for, for all the world to see. The videos were there, and there will be, unfortunately, more to come. Um, as Hamas has promised to carry out executions in real time, and in fact, uh, um, in Israel, they've issued a warning to parents to take these apps off of your child's phone, whether it be TikTok, whether it be Instagram, because um, there will be public executions coming. And this is the just the, the depths of evil and depravity. And, it's demonic in origin. There's there's no question about it. And it's also incredibly disturbing to see, and she talked about this in her interview. She was interviewed, by the way, this was on Fox News last night, and it was a much, that's a clip from a much longer um, segment in which she also referenced, of course, and you can, 
on, on her website, the Free Press, you can read articles about this, everything that's going on, and and you probably saw this as well. Huge rallies in big cities like New York City, um, in Sydney, Australia. There's one in Montreal, one in Toronto, where where I live, and and people, and it's not just, it's not just. And, and again, we have to make a huge distinction between the terrorist organization Hamas and the Palestinian people. But when at the Sydney Opera House, people were rallying saying, gas the Jews. Um, just horrific anti-Semitic statements that, that is, I mean, it's chilling the bone. I, I remember being at the Yad Vashem Holocaust Museum. I don't know if you've ever been to the Holy Land, but if you've ever, if you do go there, go to that place. It's an incredibly hard experience. It's very difficult uh, to go through there. But you, you ask, you wind up asking yourself the question, how could this have happened? How could this have happened in a civilized Christian nation like Germany at the time, an advanced nation? How is it that this atrocity could be committed? And, and we think the world's moved on. This would never happen again. This could easily happen again. This could easily happen again. And... <laughs> Christians aren't far behind either. It, uh, it, by the way, something that people don't know, I, I don't want to get too, too off track here, but this, is, this was not reported by mainstream media, but some weeks ago in the Gaza Strip, there was an anti-Hamas demonstration that was conducted by Palestinians. There have been many of those such demonstrations uh, over the years. And what happened to these people? They were arrested, they were tortured, and many of them were executed. You can forget about trying to preach about Jesus in a place like that. That's simply not going to happen. So I, I just found that to be, um, it's just been really disheartening to see um, the reactions or non-reactions from, like, like Barry Weiss said, university presence, student groups coming out in favor of the actions of Hamas, uh, university presidents silent on this. Um, you might have seen this also. BLM Chicago released a an image of, and obviously the terrorists came in on paragliders into that music festival in Israel, uh, sort of an, an, an image of a, of a soldier on a parachute, parachuting in. You know what that's referencing. And it's as if people are saying these are legitimate means, these terroristic means to achieve political objectives. And I, I, If you're justifying this, you really have to check yourself. You really have to check yourself and... And your own your own humanity here. The other the other um, the other statement that I thought was very good yesterday was, and you you might you might be shocked that I'm saying this, but I have to give credit where credit is due. President Joe Biden, believe me, I have I have a lot of uh, things I would like to ask Joe Biden about if I ever got the chance to interview him, such as how can you claim to be a Catholic yet support unlimited abortion. Uh, and, and not to mention other other moral issues that, that he's uh, involved with that contravene the law of God. But what he had to say about this, I actually thought was right on the money. And I'm going to share that with you right after this break. I think we're just going to take a break now, Jim. 888 We'll be right back on The Kale Clark Show. Faith, facts, and fun. 
The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Have a question? Give Kale a call at 888-914-9149. Hey, welcome back to the program on this Wednesday, October the 11th, 2023. Well, yesterday, last night, uh, President Joe Biden made a speech about the atrocities that were committed by Hamas and also had some interesting words going forward about what's going to happen in the future. Obviously, Israel has retaliated, uh, which is to be expected, and they're trying to stamp out Hamas. And we have to pray because there are going to be a lot of, there is going to be collateral damage and there already, there already has been. And um, we'll talk about that as well. If you, if you want, 888-914-9149. Um, again, we have to most of all pray for peace. Uh, the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. We need to uh, cry out to him and also uh, to ask for the intercession of Our Lady of Peace. Uh, and Mary will uh, is someone we can also uh, go to. And this is a great, great tragedy. President Biden, like I said before the break, um, credit where credit is due here. I vehemently disagree with him about a lot of different things, but um, he hit a, a lot of good notes in his speech about this last night. And I read about this actually on the, um, in the newsletter from the newsletter from Heather Cox Richardson. She's a history professor, professor of American history at Boston college. And I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with the, uh, the website Substack. It's, it's sort of a newsletter aggregator. Um, email newsletters are becoming a huge, huge thing again. Um, and she has actually the biggest newsletter on the Substack platform. It's called Letters from an American. So she's a, she's a history prof. And what she tr- tries to do is take the, the news of the day and in many times try to interpret it through the lens of history because history does have a way of rhyming, doesn't it? As Mark Twain once said. And, and she's written a book uh, about the history of the, of the Republican Party. I think it's called That Men May Be Free. I believe that's the name of the book. But at, at any rate... Um, she actually um, wrote about the speech that uh, President Biden gave yesterday. I just want to give some quotes from, from President Biden, what he said, quote, There are moments in this life when the pure, unadulterated evil is unleashed on this world. The people of Israel lived through one such moment this weekend. And he, he, he also noted, Biden noted that in many ways this resembled the, the worst atrocities committed by ISIS and, and groups like the Taliban. And he, and he said this as well, quote, President Biden, quote, but sadly for the Jewish people, this is not new. This attack has brought to the surface painful memories and the scars left by millennia of anti-Semitism and genocides of the Jewish people. So in this moment, we must be crystal clear. We stand with Israel and we will make sure Israel has what it needs to take care of its citizens, defend itself and respond to this attack. End of quote. Now, as Heather Cox Richardson noted, Biden was extremely careful in his speech, extremely careful to make uh, a demarcation, to distinguish between Hamas and the Palestinian people as, as a whole. And this is what Biden said, quote, Hamas does not stand for the Palestinian people's right to dignity and self-determination. Its stated purpose is the annihilation of the state of Israel and the murder of Jewish people. Hamas offers nothing but terror and bloodshed with no regard to who pays the price, end of quote. 
And as I mentioned before the break, there was a group of Palestinians, and this happens from time to time, that were protesting Hamas in the Gaza Strip. They were brutally dealt with. Um, and it's not just um, people outside of, of uh, Gaza that are not fans of Hamas, let's put it that way. And so in response to Biden's speech, the former ambassador of Israel to the United States, uh, Michael Oren, uh, said this, quote, President Biden's speech was the most passionately pro-Israel in history. The president stood foursquare behind the Jewish state and the Jewish people and unequivocally against terror and anti-Semitism and pledged the power of the United States to our defense. Our people will always remember and cherish this speech and the man who delivered it, end of quote. Um, interesting, though, one thing is that... Um, Obviously, there's a there is a danger here that this this war in the Middle East could involve other other countries. And Biden said a couple of things that made it really. He's trying as hard as he can to provide a deterrent for any such situation that anyone would want to jump in into any kind of a war in the region. Uh, this is another thing he said in the, in the speech. He said, "Quote: Let me say again to any country, any organization, anyone thinking of taking advantage of this situation." I have one word, don't, don't. Our hearts may be broken, but our resolve is clear. End of quote. So he was working the phones all, all weekend with uh, world leaders, including other world leaders in the, in the area. And also he spoke to, and I think it was either today or tomorrow, the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, is going to travel to Israel and Jordan. And the United States is also talking with Israel and Egypt about establishing a corridor a humanitarian corridor so Palestinians can evacuate the, the Gaza Strip. And also that he's been clearly uh, in touch with uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel. And Biden has, according to Heather Cox Richardson, um, she's sort of like been scoping out what reporters are saying about this. Um, it seems like Biden has warned Netanyahu that 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 Israel has to to be very cautious of excessive blowback here, especially with regards to civilians and 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 their and their attempted to take down Hamas. And in the past, obviously, um, Israel is kind of and Netanyahu really this is part of his strategy too. And and they've tried to sort of say, I guess, with Hamas, it's better the devil you know. They've sort of allowed them to. They thought maybe by appeasing them that they'd eventually be reasonable, but. They've been very true to their state of, stated objectives that they want to eradicate uh, and kill all Jewish people in, their, in, in Israel. And that's exactly what uh, the invasion did on, 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 on Saturday. The, the, that's exactly what they, what they did when they, when they had the opportunity. And if they had more opportunity, they would continue to do so. There's no question about that. At any rate, Biden said this, um, that they would be watching very closely for any excessive force, especially if, if civilians were, were involved. Um, that's it. So that's, that's about, about all we can say about that for now. We're running out of time. But I thought that was a, a good speech by Biden. I thought he handled that very well. Um, so credit where credit is due there. He said what needed to be said. Let's go to the phones right now. Let's go to Lisa in Brookfield, Wisconsin. Hi, Lisa. Hello. Hey, I just called to tell you and, and anyone that was listening that I want to say thank you. Thank you for uh, um, putting aside, you know, your differences and giving credit where credit's due. Uh, sometimes 
we believers, we stick to, you know, stick to a box. And I just thank God that you did that. I mean, it shows that you, and when someone's right, you, you know, you're giving them credit for being right. And I just want to say that bravo for you. I mean, for saying those things. Oh, I appreciate that call. Th- thanks for, for calling in and saying that. And I think, I think it just in general, we have to, Hey, I mean, all truth is God's truth. And sometimes, um, people that we have a tendency, especially in the, in the United States to demonize our opponents about, and we have strong disagreements with, with them about all kinds of different things. But, um, if some, we can, we can find common ground and that there's very little of that happening in, in the United States right now, especially in the political scene. It's, there's almost no way for people to work together anymore. So whenever we can find points of common ground and whenever we have people that, that we wouldn't necessarily agree with about other topics, say something that, that is true. We have, we, we should acknowledge that. And so, um, to be able to learn from, from everyone and, and, and work with people whenever possible, I think is, is really the only way forward. And one, one good example of that, just on a, on another front that, uh, you might've heard about, and I mentioned this before too, the, the million March for children that happened a few weeks ago in Canada in response to um, transgenderism in schools and parents not being notified about uh, children wanting to transition and all kinds of different things. There was a, there was a huge rally that happened in many cities across Canada, and it was ultimately led by um, Muslim families who who were they were not going to stand for this, and many Catholics joined them as well, and they were side by side as they as they rallied in support of parental rights in education. So. There are many things that we can, uh, where we can cooperate with others that we don't have full agreement on certain issues on, but we we can work with them uh, in important uh, ways to help fix what ails the culture. And so, but I appreciate the call and, and thanks again for listening. We, we're out of time. I want to remind you guys uh, really quickly about a couple things. Check out Father Rocky's new Eucharistic Encounter video. It just dropped today, and you can sign up for his free series at relevantradio.com slash encounter and find out much more about the National Eucharistic Congress that's happening in just a few months in Indianapolis. This is a powerful story about a man whose first communion was his last communion. So check that out. Thanks for joining me on the Kale Clark Show today. It's good to be back with you. Jim Shaper produced. Miranda Siniceros took your phone calls. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.